welcome to the podcast of the Vine Church in Fullerton, California. For more information, visit thevineoc.com. You know, the, the holiday season, traditionally, is supposed to be a time of gladness, really, isn't it? Uh, even in a time of pandemic, don't we all just look for ways to smile and be glad? And so maybe we, we venture out for an evening walk to look at the local Christmas lights in our neighborhood, and, and it makes us feel happy for a while. And then we come home and maybe watch a cheesy Christmas movie, and we're amused for a couple of hours. And, and then after that, we might sit back and relax and take stock of our lives and, and recognize, recognize that there really are good things that, that we enjoy. And, and perhaps we feel a sense of contentment. Well, we sort of drift in and out of those expressions of gladness, and, and we're grateful to have those experiences in our lives. On this third Sunday of Advent, as we saw earlier with the Most family, we pause from hope and expectation, and we embrace joy. Joy is really different from those other expressions. If, if happiness and amusement and contentment are pauses, like, like commas in a sentence that describes everyday life, then joy is more like an exclamation point, an explosion that recognizes there's something greater than ourselves taking place in the moment. The psalmist that, who we heard from this morning remembers that when the exile of the people of Israel in Babylon was interrupted by the exclamation point of being released to return home to Jerusalem. Now, it's true, they, they were still under Babylonian rule, but they were now homeward bound, and the only proper expression of this gift of freedom was joy. And the psalmist remembers that we were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. Even in recognizing that Jerusalem was a mess and in desperate need of being rebuilt, it, it was still home, and the people would ask God to bless the work of their hands as they replaced wood beams and, and stacked stone on stone, rebuilding walls and houses and gathering places. It would be very hard work, and there would certainly be tears like the ones shed by those who toiled in the sun all day planting seeds. But joy would explode again as they saw life returning to their treasured city as it sprouted up like wheat getting ready for the harvest. Even as the psalmist recalls that dreamlike time when the people came home again, you can sense the joy that comes in the very act of remembering. Joy is a welcome interruption to life, whether it comes in anticipation, in realized hope, or, or in, in recollection, in memory. Uh, art and music can launch us into joy, whether it's Van Gogh's painting The Starry Night, or Beethoven's Ode to Joy, or even George Harrison's Here Comes the Sun, one of my favorites. Joy can erupt spontaneously, or it can come as an invitation to abandon despair or boredom and embrace something beautiful and greater than ourselves. In our gospel reading this morning, we encountered Mary's song of praise. It's also known as the Magnificat, which is the, the first word of the song in the Latin text. It erupts like a, a psalm of jubilation as Mary comes to grips with what is about to happen to her. She calls to memory 
God's intentions for Israel and the world. And, and she does so as she sings of the contrast between the, the powerful and the lowly, the rich and the hungry. In the world-changing event that has come, both as gift and burden to her, she remembers God's mercy and his care toward Israel. Now, she knows that she is indeed blessed, but this joyful blessing is not for her alone. It will be a fulfillment of Israel's expectation and hope. And as such, this joy will ultimately be poured out to the world. Mary really seemed to understand what she referred to as her lowly position. She was a a young, powerless woman. She was of the peasant class. She had no prospects of of a life beyond that status. The world she inhabited was difficult and dangerous with empires and tyrants and poverty and trouble everywhere she looked. And yet, this life was interrupted by God, like an exclamation point right in the middle of a sentence. The God who revealed his intentions for her and through her. This young, powerless daughter of Abraham would, through her obedience, facilitate in the birth of Jesus God's intention to bring blessing to all the families of the earth. God's intentions not only interrupted Mary, they interrupted the entire drama of human history. Interruptions, by definition, come to us unexpectedly. You know, I've I've never been a fan of Las Vegas. I'm not talking about the city where the regular folks live. I'm talking about the Strip and all that stuff. However, several years ago, Emily and I went there to see the Cirque du Soleil show Beatles Love, which was absolutely fantastic, I must say. Uh, It was a wedding anniversary treat, and, and we had a wonderful time. Now, our anniversary is in December. We celebrated it just last Thursday. And so the Strip and the, and the hotels were decorated for Christmas in the way that only Las Vegas can do. And we were preparing to leave the, the next morning after the show, and, and we stopped in the gift shop before we left. Now, in order to get to the gift shop, we had to weave our way through this, this kind of wandering pathway, carpet pathway. Uh, and it wa- found its way all the way through the casino. It was like you couldn't get to anything without wandering through the casino. And... It already had a number of gamblers busy at the machines with their cocktails in hand right there at nine o'clock in the morning. And as we left the shop and made our way back to the casino to check out of the hotel, I, I stopped because suddenly there was an interruption in the air. The whole time that we had been at the hotel, they constantly played popular and mostly unreligious holiday music. And after a while, it just became slightly annoying background noise. But at that moment, I heard something change. In place of Frank Sinatra and Mel Torme and even the Chipmunks, a choir began to sing. Now, it it took me a few seconds to get my bearings because in that setting, the music seemed totally out of place. And as I listened, the music became clear as I heard the choir sing these very familiar words. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glory of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Right there, 
in Las Vegas, the great Christian Christmas hymn, Joy to the World, was flooding a casino. In a place where hopes and dreams were banked on gambling luck with promises of great things ahead, some of which should stay in Vegas, the proclamation of the rule and reign of God was being made known. Now, I suspect that Emily and I were the only ones that actually heard those words of joy, but they nevertheless bore witness to the kingdom of God and the wonders of his love. It was actually a counter-narrative to the empty promises of the casino, and it stood on its own whether anyone heard it or not. You see, even in that place, it was truly joy to the world. Both the psalmist from this morning and Mary sang of God's wonders. The psalm would have been meaningful to the people of Israel, but really the rest of the world probably wouldn't have taken much notice of it at the time. Mary's song was very likely sung as a hymn by the earliest Christians, even before it made its way into Luke's gospel, but its circulation would have been limited to the young emerging churches. But they both still shouted joy as they looked forward to what God would do as they celebrated what the faithful God was doing in the moment and then remembered God's faithfulness in the past. It's not especially difficult to connect expectation and hope to joy, especially when they're in sight of being realized. We can see them on the horizon. But memory also provides an important connection to joy. <clears throat> On Orcas Island, which is part of the San Juan Island chain off the coast of Washington State, there's a small cafe that I've visited a couple of times over the years. One of the servers uh, used to make jewelry and had it displayed for sale in the cafe. And the jewelry was handmade, and the woman who made it, she, she used rose petals in her craft by, by rolling the petals in her hands over and over and over until they solidified into a bead formed by the rolling action along with the natural oils from her skin. Now she made only necklaces and earrings. In fact, Emily has a pair of those earrings because she claimed that the beads have to touch human skin. A friend of mine asked her if, if she would make him some cufflinks, and she said, no, cufflinks don't touch skin. Not going to do it. And her reasoning was that over time, the aroma of the rose petals was released by the oils in the wearer's skin, reminding the person that their beautiful handmade jewelry was once a living thing, and yet is still capable of bringing a pleasant scent, even facilitating a bit of joy. In the Roman Catholic tradition, the rosary plays an important part in a person's life of prayer. Each bead on the rosary directs the person to a memorized prayer. And while these prayers are important to people on a daily basis, they are especially important in times of difficulty, as you would imagine. Now, while rosary beads today are usually made of, of synthetic materials, Centuries ago, they were often made with, with crushed flowers, including roses. And they were rolled in hands and solidified by natural oils. In fact, the word rosary comes from the Latin rosarium, which means a place for roses. 
In the Middle Ages in Europe, women would sometimes craft rosaries from rose petals and give them to knights heading off into battle so that in their prayers, the scent of the roses would be released and the knights would remember God and also the people who loved them. Stories of God's faithfulness, whether in scripture, coming from our own life experiences, um, they bear witness to the expectation and hope that produce joy in us as persons and to all of us as a body of people. As the prophet Isaiah prayed, I will recount the gracious deeds of the Lord and praiseworthy acts of the Lord because of all that the Lord has done for us. When we rehearse our stories of faith, just as we are rehearsing the story of the coming birth of Jesus during Advent, we release the aroma of God that fills us with joy. If the greatest failure of the people of God throughout history has been to forget about God, then perhaps their greatest strength, really our greatest strength, is in remembering God. You know, we all know that we're in a very difficult time right now, not only in our state and our nation, but also in the entire world. Infections and deaths due to COVID-19 are on the rise. Um, and, and even with vaccines on the near horizon, the current picture is still grim. And yet here we are in the season of Advent talking about joy. Well, I'm not sure that we find joy in expecting that the vaccines will get rid of this awful virus. I mean, we're going to feel relief, no doubt about it, but probably not joy. So where do we find it? Where do we find joy? Well, maybe we start that process by remembering. I've been doing a bit of that lately, rehearsing in my mind all the times in my life when I've been sure that God was at work, opening closed doors, responding to my prayers with greater generosity than I could ever imagine, granting gifts of life when I felt lost and hopeless. And when I put my mind to it, there are a lot of those kinds of things to remember, and that's probably true for you as well. I believe that we can find joy in the recalling of those stories as the aroma of memory surrounds us, like the scent of ancient rose petals against our skin. The candle that was lit on this third Sunday of Advent, the candle that symbolizes joy, as you probably noticed, is pink. Traditionally, however, the color is referred to as rose. Maybe in the future, we should consider using only a rose-scented candle on this day so that the aroma permeates our worship gathering, allowing us to pause and remember the joy that God has brought into our lives over the years. Such remembering causes our faith to rise and our hopes to be enlivened. I believe there's joy to be found there. As we come closer to the celebration of Jesus' birth, we can open up the possibility of joy in both remembering and in hopeful expectation. At Christmas, we remember, along with all of those who have gone before us, the account of the coming of Jesus into the realities of human history. 
At the same time, we look forward, knowing what is coming in his life, suffering, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. And as the author of the letter to the Hebrews reminds us, Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. We remember and we look forward all at the same time. And joy comes because we believe that it all happens as God continues to be active and at work in real time. Not just in our past recollections and in our future hopes, but in real time, as in right now. God in Christ is with us now. Our joy comes because the God whose gracious deeds we remember and whose promises are trustworthy is with us in this very moment. I want to pause right now. Um, This is typically the time in my message when we stop for a a time of truth-telling, what we call confession. And we're going to do something a little different because our topic is joy today, and we're going to rest in the confidence that God knows our lives. And before we can even speak, God's work of forgiveness is already active within us. And I want to share together a prayer for joy. Lord, as I walk through struggles, both seen and unseen, I will trust you with every aspect of my life. I will live to see each day you intend for me. I will discover the daring of my destiny and write the unwritten with my life. Find me obedient, joyful, and true, serving you on earth as saints have done before me. God, will you give me a heart of courage, a joyful heart that follows closely after you? Amen.